It's a Wednesday night, and you are on Wrestling Inc. That means it is time for some post-AEW Dynamite action, some post-AEW Dynamite talk right here with myself, Justin Labar, and Alfred Kanawa, as we have so much to unpack as AEW is coming off uh, a monstrous Rampage episode last Friday, and then they're coming into tonight, the debut of CM Punk on Dynamite. And, of course, we have some news headlines to talk about over in the world of WWE. But first, as everybody comes on in, Alfred, haven't talked in a week. How are you? Good. How are you, my man? I know we were talking off air that uh, this is going to be your first time giving your opinion and opining on one CM Punk. So I'm very excited to see your perspective on that. But it's good to be here, and it's good to see you as always. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss Monday night uh, Raw post-podcast uh, with the guys. And, and, of course, don't don't normally do the post-NXTs. I haven't had, I haven't had a mic, I, I haven't, and I haven't even tweeted about it. I've, had, I've just been sitting around, letting it marinate, letting it swirl around. trying to. Uh, and just as I was trying to take in... His debut is as much, you know, rumored, anticipated debut, and then we get another promo tonight. Which boy, did that hit some buttons and did that touch some ground? Uh, oh, so we yeah. got a lot to talk about. So again, we uh, love all of you guys joining us, especially those of you watching live right now on YouTube or Twitch. Uh, if you have a, a comment, if you have a super chat, you want to get in the mix, especially about CM Punk, but about anything, but especially CM Punk. Wait, we will get to the CM Punk. Uh, portion of the show so just hang on hold your money hold your money we will get to that part uh, of course we're going to go through the entire night that was aew dynamite but uh, first alfred let's uh, let's take a look at a few news headlines that are over on wrestling inc uh coming out of this uh, first and they're, they're, they are all wwe related here uh first let's start out with pat mcafee pat mcafee uh of course color commentator on smackdown now with michael cole uh, he revealed that he is test positive for COVID-19. Uh, he's dealing with a terrible fever, but he, but he, he did go on, on Twitter and announced that he, he is fully vaccinated. So he's fully vaccinated, uh, but he's going to be out indefinitely, uh, staying home for the time being, of course, following the protocols and uh, that, that are in place. And uh, so uh, Pat McAfee off TV for you know, at least uh, at least this week's SmackDown, maybe more. And uh you know, uh, it goes to prove, and obviously we're seeing the world offered, even with vaccinations, uh, s- still can't be can't be too careful. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, concerning news. It's unfortunate, and I'm very interested to see on SmackDown how they handle it in terms of Michael Cole. If they decided that he was a close contact, will Michael Cole even be on that show, and how they're going to handle that and explain if he is on the show? So, uh, yeah, even you know, it's kind of starting to happen again in terms of this second wave in terms of delta uh, you're seeing people still effective as you said even when they're vaccinated uh, but you know pat mcafee has actually been doing a show from his house so he seems to be in good spirits he uh, seems a little under the weather he did have uh, the most talented quarterback in nfl history aaron Rodgers, on his uh, podcast and uh, that was a lot of fun to watch and so i hope he recovers soon because pat mcafee has been one of the best parts of smackdown I, I'd be all for Pat McAfee from his house doing SmackDown commentary, but something tells me Vince and Kevin Dunn just won't find that visually uh, <laughs> acceptable. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. That's a great point you bring up about, you know, obviously Michael Cole sitting right there next to him at SummerSlam, um, at SmackDown. So, you know, but I, I'm sure WWE has updated their protocols just as the entire world has. Maybe it's something of, you know, okay, Michael Cole, are you vaccinated if you are? You just got to keep testing a few times, and as long as you come back negative, we'll we'll let you go out there if you want to. So, and that, that that's just me speculating, but that's kind of just going with common sense of how most people have have um you know have evolved uh, since vaccines have have become uh, become available. So we'll wait and see, but certainly a loss for SmackDown because Pat McAfee, uh, Alfred, is a great. He's one of the things I look forward to the most, and that's saying something because SmackDown's got quite the roster. 
Yeah, me too. I one of the reasons I went back and watched SummerSlam was I was there live, and I I would, would have usually went back and watched it, but listening to Pat McAfee and seeing his reaction to various things, one of the first things I did when I was watching back is seeing how he reacted to Becky Lynch, Brock Lesnar, and it didn't let me down. I thought he was great. How was Vegas, by the way? Oh, it was fun. It was it was a good time, great time. SummerSlam was a very fun show. Uh, it was a great time. I loved it. All right, all right. I forgot to put something over, actually, when I was in Vegas. Uh, Glenn asked me about my favorite food. I was there. I have to put over McCullen's Irish Pub. They had something called Irish nachos. They were the greatest nachos I've ever had in my entire life. Irish nachos. I was very unsure of them, but they had corned beef in the nachos. They had beef in the nachos. They had all they had everything. Greatest nachos I've ever had. If you ever find yourself in Vegas, <laughs> McCullen's Irish Pub. Oh, my God. Get them on as a sponsor. Look at you. Yeah, Give the plug to the Irish nachos. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, keeping up with some more news here as we get as we get back to headlines, uh, Pete Dunn. Uh, so Pete Dunn, according to Fightful Select, he has been offered a new contract by WWE. Uh, it, it is believed that Dunn, kind of similar to how Adam Cole's situation is, you know, wrapping things up here with the current uh, deal that he's had uh, in the company. Uh, and so WWE, uh, you know, showing reaching out, and showing they want to try to retain him. No word yet at the moment if Dunn has a uh, has took on this new extent this extension this new contract and and uh fightful select even they didn't reveal any but they note they talked to different sources and different numbers are out there so it's uh not 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 known 100 you know how long of a new deal <clears throat> how much of a, a, a pay increase if there is a pay increase or what else might be included in there but pete dunn another guy who's been you know uh, a pretty big staple in the nxt brand in the last year and uh another guy who they might be in risk of, of losing sooner rather than later if they haven't if if they're having already, I mean they're taping shows, so it's it's kind of hard to keep up with what is live and in, in real time when they're when they're getting these shows taped. Yeah, and this is an interesting situation. I think it's kind of similar to the Adam Cole situation, but Pete Dunn might have more leverage now that Cole is reportedly gone from WWE. And also, if you're reading the tea leaves, word on the street is that Johnny Gargano would be positioned as a big heel. And I do see Pete Dunn slotting into that position in NXT. With no Adam Cole, I think Pete Dunn uh, commands a lot more leverage. So I don't think it should be something where Pete Dunn decides to go to AEW. I think his best bet is staying uh, in NXT, not necessarily going to the main roster, but in NXT he would be a bigger fish in what is now a smaller more transitional pond and even though they are in a transitional period a guy like pete dunn's going to be needed to kind of anchor that transition and i think they're going to find a lot more value in him and i think he's going to be showcased more if he stays in nxt well and you know it's a great point to think about you know the leverage he has look if you're losing these guys if you want to hold on to me you know you're going to have to bump that price up a little bit more or whatever you know is, is of interest to him, money or other terms. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I guess one of the things that you know he would also want to find out, as we all want to know, is as we hear about this kind of reset happening with NXT. You know, as Nick Khan said in the area, uh, you know, confirmed in the Holani interview, you know, new, new look, new feel. Uh, of course, as we are all digging deeper, you know, not necessarily being a, a third brand, but really kind of going back to being set you up so you can be a raw and smackdown superstar not so you can just have a career in nxt is what does that mean for the bigger global vision that and that triple h had been embarking on and was full steam ahead prior to the pandemic which is you know nxt really around the globe we already had an nxt uk brand and tv show you know but triple h just spoke very candidly on the media calls of all of us for for years about you know 
NXT in Japan, NXT in India, NXT in Mexico, you know, uh, alluding to, to that's what they wanted to ultimately do. So, you know, is NXT UK still going to be a thing? Is it some, you know, is that something that Pete Dunne can, can, can be a flag holder for? Is it something they're willing to compensate him for that would be happy to him? Can he go back over to across the pond? Is that where, you know, a lot of things. So I think that's, that's what makes Pete Dunne situation, uh, different from, you know, obviously a, a, a resident, uh, of, uh, you know, in, in Florida of Adam Cole. Yeah, and that's a good point about NXT UK. I would be a little nervous if I was NXT UK or 205 Live, especially NXT UK, because over the past couple of weeks on NXT, we've now seen Dragunov come over there, and uh, Kaylee Ray is there now. And it does seem like there there's reports about Walter that they want him to be featured in NXT. These might be the early stages of them, at the very least, gutting NXT UK. But, uh, you know, at worst, maybe kind of consolidating those brands, because I don't know if your top stars, because Kylie Ray or Kaylee Ray was, what, 600 days she was champion or whatnot. She was a top star over there. Yeah. And having these guys go over to NXT is a little bit of a warning sign for me. All right. And finally, on the news headlines, uh, Edge. Could Edge be moving over to the Monday Night Red brand? WWE Shop is now listing the Hall of Famer Edge as a Raw superstar in some parts of the website. Uh, we've seen before sometimes the uh, the digital team and and the creative team, one gets ahead of the other one. Things get kind of leaked or, or, or you know, hinted towards, depending on how things are presented on the website. So uh, at the moment, um, Edge is still being listed as SmackDown Superstar on the homepage. But like I said, in other parts on the WB shop, he's already been moved over to Raw. Uh, of course, he was at SummerSlam. Uh, he defeated Seth Rollins. Uh, he praised Rollins for lighting a fire in him and kind of gave a promo that kind of indicated that maybe um, – you know, maybe, you know, he, you know, he's going to continue to move on and, and, and what's next in his career. So certainly if, if that is the case, uh, Edge could be moving over, uh, you know, to Raw. I mean, I, Alfred, we're coming to the fall time. We keep hearing, I think they pushed it back now. We're going to have another draft or reshuffle of a roster. Uh, it's inevitable. And especially when you talk about gutting NXT, if you want to cherry pick what you want out of there. Uh, so do you believe it now or inevitably soon? Do you see Edge moving over to Raw? Absolutely. I mean, he's been on SmackDown you know, for what, I think in the past year now, and I feel like he's done a lot there in terms of facing the top guys. I thought his feud with Seth Rollins was really good. So if he is to go to Raw um, and they are to continue that, that might mean Seth Rollins could follow him there. Uh, but I, I do see Edge going to Raw, and I think it would be a lot of fun to see him uh, shuffle the deck and face uh, another group of top stars, whether that's Drew McIntyre or that's Bobby Lashley. I think uh, it could be a lot of fun seeing Edge on Raw because I see, feel like he's run through a lot of the bigger names on SmackDown, and he's only going to have so many matches per year. So every match, I think, is going to be against a higher caliber guy. And if he goes on Raw, he's going to have a fresh new deck of that. You know, and, and, and on top of that, I would say, you know, look at Raw. I mean, Aside from Matt Riddle and Randy Orton, who are or who are going to be you know the leaders of the tag division for the foreseeable future, there's no real top baby faces. I mean, you know, I mean Bobby Lashley's your top heel and champion, and his baby face is a te- was a temporary come in for his two matches a year Goldberg. Uh, there's just not. I mean, so there's there's certainly a need for a top uh, established baby face and edge. And then if SmackDown has just uh, acquired a Brock Lesnar if he's going to be feuding with a Roman Reigns uh, over the course of the next few months into Saudi Arabia or or uh, Survivor Series, then certainly you can make the case for okay, you know we're it's a, SmackDown's only a two hour show. We're a little heavy here on top tier talent. Raw's a three hour show. It could certainly need it. So let's move let's move Edge back over there. So we'll see how everything shakes out. Of course, that's uh, the news headlines. Plenty; Those are just three right there. There's plenty more headlines you can check over on Wrestling Inc. 24-7, constantly being updated, brand new layout of the site, so go check it out. Uh, I think you know it was, it's already a great site, but even better navigation and display for you to enjoy on Wrestling Inc. 
All right, Alfred, let's get into AEW Dynamite tonight on TNT. Coming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You know a little thing about Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Home of the world champion, Milwaukee Bucks. There you go. I need to get it in there. Setting you up. Setting you up. Uh, We kick it off with a hot, hot match. And uh, Orange Cassidy up against Matt Hardy. Uh, This one had some fun spots at the beginning of the course with Orange Cassidy and his whole uh, hand in the pocket stick. And Hardy's pulling out... uh, uh, he's he's deleting. Uh, Hardy pulls out some money from his pockets, and they trade this money back and forth a few times. Kind of funny, uh, but it's it it does pick up and get a little more serious. Uh, it, it really uh, gets serious with some color, some accidental color. Orange Cassidy jumps off the top rope, hits a cross body, and you can see it live as he lands. He la- you know, rather than landing into Hardy's chest, lands far more on Hardy's face. I think his nose specifically, and uh, Hardy's busted open the hard way in a matter of seconds. Uh, but nonetheless, the match goes on. Uh, Orange Cassidy goes up to the top, does a little mocking of, uh, of Matt or Jeff Hardy, uh, and then does a swanton from the top. Then he uh, teases about, or he does hit a twist of fate, but it's a near fall two count. And finally, Orange Cassidy does counter that leech submission move that Hardy's worked into his repertoire. He counters it and just pins uh, Hardy's uh, shoulders to the mat. So Orange Cassidy in a bloody, comical, and uh, aggressive opening match gets a big victory on the veteran Matt Hardy. Yeah, I mean, Matt Hardy was bleeding like crazy. He had such bad luck in some of these matches, whether it was that feud with Sammy Guevara and he had a chair thrown into his face and it fell off on his head. And now this, uh, he's a tough guy. Uh, we've always known that. But I thought this match was a lot of fun. I thought this was, you know, I really had high expectations just based on these two guys and the chance that they have and all the creativity that you have going on. And it did not disappoint. I thought this was very fun, especially for an opening match to immediately get people into it. I, I thought this was great. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I'm looking through my my just my pages of my recap here to make sure. Uh, I mean, I think honestly, when the two hours are said and done, this is the best match of the night. Yeah. There were other matches in the night that were good for what they were supposed to do, but a lot of them were serving a master of this guy needs to get a pinfall victory here, or uh, you know, we need to you know continue to establish uh, momentum and dominance. But this was the most like you didn't know who was going to win. This was the most certainly the most um, unpredictable match of what the finish is going to be. You can make it, you could see either way going, and then again. Um, you know, just just had an excellent pace and two characters the fans can get into and and can uh, engage with. So really great opener. Uh, you know, Matt Hardy, of course, been around. You know, JJR noted it twenty plus years. Of course, Matt Hardy coming up in the late nineties with his brother. At the same time, we had the brood and such like that. And I say all that just to segue into a super chat real quick. We want to get in there for ah, Kayla. Mick. I like it. Look at the professional. <laughs> $5. Yeah, trying here. Uh, $5. Kayla goes, since Edge is doing the brood, do we think uh, – we think a new brood stable is coming or just a one-time deal. I mean, you know, it was a great little throwback. I've said, I think the brood music and that brood entrance is one of the most underrated. It might be one of the best ever. It just, the, the stable itself didn't rise to, you know, it, it produced edge and Christian. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think Edge is probably still more marketable as your rated R superstars, a solo. Um, yeah, I think that's just a nice little throwback because it was a big pay-per-view and for these big pay-per-views, especially stadium shows, they like to do, uh, you know, fun entrances, uh, sometimes retro entrances. So I think that's all it is. I really can't find, I can't think of two other people, Alfred, that would be of, of you know, Aleister Black's not there no more and, and, and some other guy. I mean, you know, I, I can't think of a brood stable, nor do I think that's the best marketing dollars out of Edge these days. 
I agree. And I think that brood entrance was really just WWE's way out of uh, having to do pyro for Edge, who has a huge pyro display. And in Allegiant Stadium, since it's new, there was no pyro on that show. And so this was a great alternative. And I thought this was fantastic. I think the brood three theme music is the top five for me. I think it's one of the greatest theme songs ever. When that beat drops, there's nothing like it in pro wrestling. And uh, I thought this was really great and really fun. That past two shows of the Edge uh, brood kind of callbacks. I know Christian's not there, so it would be an incomplete picture, but I was hoping after we saw the little brew tease Friday on SmackDown, and then I said, oh, this would be so cool if they'd pull out a retro entrance. I didn't even think about the pyro thing, so props to you on that nugget. I was like, oh, I hope they follow through and we get the brood entrance at SummerSlam. I was really hoping work Gangrel in there somewhere. Because, yeah. I mean, while Gangrel, while he was the leader of the brood and certainly he had the least um, uh, legendary career, no disrespect to Gangrel, he still is so iconically, visually iconic to that group. So I was yeah. just like, oh, that'd be great. I mean, he's not, I mean, he's available. I mean, he's not he's doing it. He's right here in Los Angeles. They could have gotten him. He's right. right here in South Bay. It's not too far from Vegas. He could have written with me. Like, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Ace, why didn't you call Alfred? Yeah, he could have. boy, man. <laughs> he could have covered you on the trans. Yeah. I'm saving you guys money here. <laughs> <laughs> at the very least, picked him up at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> took yeah, took him to get some Irish nachos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good McCallans. What a what a picture that would have been. Alfred Cunna was sitting with uh, David Heath uh, <laughs> and in the Irish pub <laughs> on the strip. Gimmick. I would want him in full gimmick, too. That, that would be great. Did you ever hear that story of when, um, I think it was an MSG house show or somewhere in the New York, and, and Gangrel spit, did this, he spit the, the blood and he covered yeah. Donald Trump? Did he really? No, I never heard that story. Back, yeah, back when the brood was uh, back when Gangrel was in his prime in the late '90s, and they were—I don't remember if they were at MSG or if they, if they were in Jersey at, at a Trump-owned property. I think it was MSG, though. It was a house show, and uh, Donald and I think was, I think Melania. I think they were sitting. They're sitting at the corner, right at the corner of the steps where Gangrel does it. And he does his, he does the blood spit, and it went all. Oh, and then oh. the newspaper captured it of like Donald and Melania like like dodging the, the red the, the blood. Did any of it get in his hair? <laughs> You'd have to see if you can find some video to find that out. Oh, that's great. Uh, another super chat here. Tony Starks, 499. Notice the MJF 3 and O shirt, a callback to the oh. Jericho Goldberg rivalry. Yes, very good. And he, and he noted he called Jericho Jera Blow. Jera Blow. Jera Blow. I didn't even think about that. It totally was. Mm -hmm. Where's oh, oh, Ralphus died a few years ago, didn't he? Oh, Man, yeah, that's sad. Ralphus. Yeah, R.I.P. Can't get Ralphus. Uh, well, that segues into Jericho's next. He's in the end uh, in the promo in the ring, and uh, what's next for Chris Jericho? And he basically lays the challenge out there. He thinks, you know, having lost to MJF all these times, he thinks he can still do it. And in fact, he thinks that this is the test. He challenges MJF to one more match at All Out, with the stipulation being that if he cannot beat MJF, then maybe that's a sign of the times. Maybe that's Father Time is caught up, and it's time for him to be done as a wrestler in AEW. So if he cannot beat MJF. He will no longer wrestle in AEW. Uh, he even said, maybe I'll go up to the commentary desk, and that's that's what I'll find uh, as my new role. Uh, MJF comes out and, and eventually does say, okay, we'll do this. Uh, even though I'm tired of beating you, we'll do this. Uh, but, you know, uh, I only, I'm only going to do it so I can say that I ended Chris Jericho. Uh, are you are you into this, or are we starting to drag this out, Alfred? No, I'm into this. Uh, the whole time Jericho was talking, I knew he was going in a direction of challenging MJF, and all I could think was, well, this better be a career match. Like, you better 
raise the stakes because they just did this end of a great feud with the five labors of Jericho. And it's like, how can you top that? The only way they could have topped that is with Jericho's career. And I'm glad that they're having this pay-per-view match because I think we were robbed out of a great video package of just seeing week after week after week the labors. And I hope they kind of cover that for Jericho's career match by showing that video package here. And I really do hope Jericho wins because, you know, MJF has gotten enough notches in his belt. He retired Cody from having to uh, compete in AEW World Title matches. He made Jericho tap out. And he's already won three times as they've made very obvious. And I just think that on a show in Chicago with CM Punk where it's kind of a feel-good show, to have Jericho lose would be that same dynamic as the Undertaker losing his streak. And that kind of brought the crowd down and eventually they did get back up for Daniel Bryan, but it really almost sabotaged that moment because everybody's leaving that stadium talking about that. And it put this kind of air over the stadium that kind of deflated it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I think this is a good, uh, I think these, these guys work together great in the ring. So if you can get another match out of them with an even elevated stipulation, great. I think what I liked about it is I'm glad that it was, Hey, I'll know. I'm glad that Jericho even noted, you know, maybe I'll go up to the commentary desk. I'm glad they didn't try to get more dramatic and say, uh, you know, I'm gonna leave AEW forever, yeah. um, and anything like that. I, I think because I think you know nobody would have bought that, but I think with the stipulation of you know maybe I will stop wrestling. I think that makes this match a little bit more like okay, I don't know how it's gonna end. I it's it's you know it's not a given that Chris Jericho will, you know because because you, you can honestly say look here's a guy who's done a lot of commentary for them, so certainly you could believe that he's just been tra- he's been you know transitioning into that. He's also got his his rock career, and I believe Fozzie is doing some touring soon. So like you could believe. You know, the guy's got AEW off the ground in the last couple of years. Now they got CM Punk and Brian Danielson and all these guys here. And, and these young guys are elevated. You know, maybe Jericho feels he has done what he's needed to do as a performer. And he can now uh, be utilized in other roles. And so I, I like that. I like that they that's how they particular that's how they specifically spell this out, because it does make this stipulation that much more believable and unpredictable that maybe this is Jericho's last match. And if it was going to be his last match in AEW, what better place than at what is like their you know, foundation, their, 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 their pivotal event that started this entire revolution, if you will. Yeah. And that's a great point. I could see Jericho losing a match like that. I really, maybe for selfish reasons, want Jericho to win, but I could definitely see him losing. I mean, MJF has won in these big spots with these big stipulations. And, and at that point we were talking about this last week in terms of MJF being a number one contender, it's going to be very hard to ignore how much momentum MJF has in terms of AEW and how they count the wins and losses. It's like, how do you continue to reason that this guy is not getting a world title shot? Absolutely. You know, when you look at MJF, you know, he's got to be better than you. You know, he's got to be pristine. When you look at Chris Jericho, you know, he's got to still be ready to go because he's the rock star on the stage. When you look at Alfred Kunawa, you know that he's doing it big on the Vegas Strip Irish nachos and at all, whatever the case would be, all three of these men are great examples of you need to be on, you need to be ready to go, you need Manscaped. That's right, tonight's podcast brought to you by Manscaped, the, 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 the world's best. Talk about best in the world, this is the best in the world at Men's Below the Waist Grooming. They are the champions of the world, and they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth Fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. That's right, the 4.0 with over 2 million, 2 million worldwide who men who trust Manscaped. And now, with this exclusive offer for you, you can join this wonderful company of Alfred, MJF, and Chris Jericho, and myself. That's what I'm talking about. 
talking about the code WINC20. You can save 20% plus free shipping from manscaped.com. As we said, they got the brand new lawnmower 4.0. I mean, it's perfect. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving your favorite time in the bathroom. And you will be blown away by the performance. This is meant for male grooming. It's got technology to make sure that this is pain-free, but it's still precision, precise. It's got a nice 4,000K LED spotlight on it, which makes sure you get every little nick, every little hair you need, whatever you need. It's got you covered. I mean, uh, Alfred, you've you've become a Manscaped uh, loyalist now. You're even wearing the shirt I thought I saw. Uh, I mean, you're on board. You know. You're you're living the bachelor life. you got to be ready. Your balls will thank you. Definitely. They thank me uh, weekly because I, I am a big fan of Manscaped. They did send me an addition to this shirt, uh, the new Lawnmower 4.0. I'm telling you, man, it's great. You know, I, 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 I'm I getting real life benefits from Manscaped and I can't recommend it enough. Honestly, you will be more aerodynamic. I cannot recommend it enough. And they have the Lawnmower 4.0. They have the wonderful, you know, the the the, the shaving the, the, the shaving bag. They have you know the shears and all the different tra- tools you can use. I mean, they got nose hair trimmers. If that's a thing you need to worry about. And oh, by the way, that I mentioned the wireless charging. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a new wireless charging system. So that makes it that especially helps if you're traveling. I uh, need to take it with you. I mean, because look, let's be honest, guys. If you are still, you know, if you if you're using the same trimmers that you're trimming your face with, and you're doing it with your balls. Stop it. Stop it. Code WINC20. Save 20% plus free shipping no matter where you are in the world. Manscaped.com is going to help you out all because you are sitting here watching and supporting the Wrestling Inc. podcast as they are supporting it. So we thank them very much again. One more time. It's on the screen if you're watching, if you're listening in audio land. WINC20. That's the code to use and you will save 20% plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. All right, so picking back up with our program here, uh, some guys who also look like they probably do some manscaping. The Varsity Blondes up yeah. against Penta and Phoenix. What a fun match this was! This was a uh, to, to, this was a uh, you know, really good match here. Ultimately, though, uh, with the Santa Paul driver, we're, they're going to get the win. Is Penta and Phoenix, uh, and they're going to be going up in the finals of this tag team tournament against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, the winners, of course, get to take on the Young Bucks for the tag titles in a cage at all out uh you know not much to speak about in this match i kind of pretty predictable that penton phoenix were going to win this now you got your two biggest babyface tag teams going at it for that number one contender spot what are you anticipating who are you thinking alfred is going to be the number one contenders for the tag titles i think it's going to be the lucha bros i mean we just saw the jurassic express and young bucks i thought they had a very good match uh, and i think uh, the lucha bros are going to uh, one up that I think they work tremendous with the young bucks, but I am very much looking forward to the Lucha Bros and Jurassic Express. I think these next two matches, assuming that the Lucha Bros win uh, them and then having a match in the steel cage with the young bucks, I think are going to be two of the best tag team matches of the year in AEW because I just thought, like you said, this match is very good. I very much missed Ray Phoenix in the ring and he was excellent. And you just always forget how great he is. I know he, tends to get hurt because he's got this death-defying style. But when he's in there and he's healthy, I don't think there's anybody better. And I just – I love this, and I really hope to see more of the Lucha Brothers. I absolutely agree. Uh, I, I, I I couldn't say couldn't, – couldn't agree more. I, this is um th- this is where this tag team division needs to be right now. This is exactly yeah. where they need to be. I think this this has been – this has been positioned perfectly for how they need to do it. They've had, some, they've had some moments in the AEW history where the tag division was a little – a little wonky at times, and some of that probably also uh, had to do with injuries and COVID. But I think right now we're in a really solid spot. And I and I never would have thought that they'd be in this good of a spot. Or I would have never booked it for them to be in this good of a spot with a tag team situation 
with the Bucks being heels. I just never would. And but here they are, and they are just tremendous heels, and it is working. And so props to whoever pitched it, the Bucks or whomever. Say, hey, you guys should be heel champions at the top of the division. Definitely. Uh, another division in AEW that certainly has uh, seen an upswing uh, in, the, in the past six months is the women's division, and we get Red Velvet up against Jamie Hader. Britt Baker's out there. Uh, and Britt uh, ultimately gets on the apron, some ref distraction, some distraction because of Baker's there, uh, and uh, Hater's going to get the win. Uh, so Britt Baker, uh, you know, she gets in the ring afterwards, a little post-match shenanigans. Here comes Chris Statlander. So uh, Britt Baker and Chris Statlander, that's the uh, – is that match official for All Out? Do they make that official? Yeah, yet? yeah, I believe it is official for All Out. I think uh, they might have had a graphic, but, uh, yeah, Britt Baker and Chris Statlander, which should be a good match. This might be Britt Baker's best match that she's had in terms of uh, having the world title. And I'm very much looking forward because Chris Statlander has been amazing uh, since she's come back. And I think her and Britt are going to do some great things together. That match might steal the show. Yeah, and it'll be curious to watch that Chicago crowd. Obviously, Briz, we talked about, they continue to let her be booked on the heel side of the fence. Um, you know, putting her up against a babyface like Chris Statlander. You know, Britt gets the, the admiration and cheers for just being so entertaining. But Chris Statlander is also one of the most over babyface, you know, true babyface uh, females they have. So I'll be curious. Um, if the crowd, you know, for lack of a better phrase, just plays along and, and roots for Statlander and against Brit, but I don't, I, I, I just can't see them. I feel like, I feel like Brit's so over now that it's like, you know, it's, it's just that it's kind of like a Jericho thing of back in the day, you know, you can talk a lot of smack and, and be really, you know, a big shit talker, but you just so damn entertaining. You can't help it, but, but support the guy. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say, even though Britt Baker was full-fledged heel, they booed Red Velvet when she thwarted an outside interference attempt, even when Britt Baker was trying to be a heel. But when Chris Statlander did come to make the save, they were cheering for her. There was support for Chris Statlander. So I think to your point, in Chicago, I don't think it necessarily would be playing along. I think people are going to really be supporting Chris Statlander. And maybe not overwhelmingly. It's Chicago, and it's one of those hot cities. And Britt Baker will probably have like 70% support. But I don't think Chris Statlander is necessarily going to be booed or seen as the villain in that match. Yeah, especially in Chicago when uh, when their hero and CM Punk returns and one of the first people out of his mouth is Britt Baker. Uh, good luck getting her to get too many boos and too much heat in Chicago. Um, all right, and that goes into CM Punk. So this, uh, this is how they transition into the uh, turn from hour one to hour two, promoting CM Punk's going to be in the ring with Tony Schiavone. Uh, something that Punk seemed to get a big thrill out of, by the way. He seemed like having Tony Schiavone, uh, a guy who I don't think he's ever crossed paths with otherwise. Right. Uh, I mean, when Punk was on the rise through the Indies and then even in Ring of Honor and WWE, I mean, Schiavone was calling baseball games. He was, you know, out of the wrestling business. So cool to hear Tony Schiavone introduce CM Punk. Uh, the crowd, the CM Punk pop, uh, the the repeated chance to the point of where Punk even kind of like has to quiet them down because they can't even hear Schiavone get the question out. Uh, and, uh, we go into this, uh, promo and basically CM Punk talks about, you know, uh, he's the reason why he's back and he starts naming more young guys. He starts naming, you know, the, the, the jungle boys, um, starts naming, you know, different guys and uh, the, the young, the young talent in the roster, um, says that if he still is going to be best in the world, then he needs to beat Darby Allen. He talks about how Darby Allen, he named, he says Darby Allen would have been his favorite wrestler. If he was a you know growing up as a fan and watching the current product, he would say Darby would have been his favorite, a guy who you know maybe a little bit of an outsider reject doesn't fit the the mold and the look and just really you know in a very slick way put Darby over despite Darby obviously being a very undersized guy even when standing next to a CM Punk and Punk's not overly big, uh, so I thought that was uh, really well done and but maybe the steal of the uh, of the promo Alfred was at one point Punk says something, I, I can't remember what it was, he says something that the fans all agreed with and liked, 
And so what has become an adopted just universal wrestling, not even wrestling, sports chant yeah. is the yes, yes, yes. Well, Punk decides to take this opportunity to improvise and acknowledge, hey, 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 that's somebody else's shtick. Just be a little patient for him. Ah. Uh, dropping the hint of, yes, the man who, of course, is the origin of that chant, uh, known as to WWE fans of Daniel Bryan, real name Bryan Danielson, be a little patient. He'll be here soon. And last I looked before we uh, hopped on here, uh, Alfred, uh, Brian Danielson is trending. Oh, so, I mean, you know, what a another. I mean, I got just get your reaction first to this promo. I mean, this 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 hit a lot. This covered a lot of ground in, in a short, short time. This is great. And it's more word on the street marketing. It's this new thing that does work in terms of them not necessarily telling you he's going to be there. But if they do everything other than that, and it's still somewhat of a mystery, that led to 1.129 million people watching Rampage. So, you know, word's out. And this is a good kind of quiet, hush, hush, tongue in cheek marketing campaign. And after seeing it work with CM Punk, I have no reason to believe that that's not going to work with uh, Daniel Bryan. I thought this was very good. It's funny because on his Rampage promo, CM Punk says, hey, I'm just going to wing it here. And then if you saw his promo, this is not a wing promo. He had all the thoughts organized and it was a fantastic promo and what he got out. This seemed more like he was winging it because the, the thing of him not being able to hear Tony got a great reaction. The Daniel Bryan thing was him. It's not like they could have anticipated the yes chant. So that was great. Uh, so this seemed like he was winging it, and I thought it was great. He's so comfortable, which is so impressive for a guy who's been away for seven years to come back and just seem like he's in his backyard. Maybe it's because he's in the Midwest and he feels very comfortable there. We'll see how he is outside of these territories, but I thought it was very good. Yeah, you know, I got to say, and I, I, I've been, uh, I've certainly not, I've been critical over the last seven years. I had criticisms of the way of, of the punk departure, um, how it went down. Of course, we've all heard the sides of the story and this and that, but you know, so like what I'm saying is going into this, I was excited as a fan. Of course, you're excited for this return. What does this mean for the AEW? What does this mean for the business? But uh, by no means am I going to be a 100% CM Punk apo uh, apologist. I mean, I think I'm even still blocked on Twitter by him. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> um, brothers. You know, so, so I just want to put all that out there. That being said, just looking at this fairly, I think they are, two for freaking two here with the cm punk appearances i thought the way they handled his uh coming out off the top of the show you know i i debated with some people prior to rampage do you hold him to the end do you make people and then after seeing the, the way i saw them execute it if they would have held him to the end of rampage everything in rampage prior to that would have just been drowned out people would have just took cost they would have took over every single match and promo just with cm punk chance because that's all that that they would have not settled until they saw him so it was smart to get it out of the way Get it out on the top of the hour. Uh, you know, it's a later show, so earlier in the night. Catch some people before they go to bed. What, whatever the case may be. Um, and I thought that he, you know, he kind of gave some explanation a little bit. He kind of gave some insight. I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to get healthy at a place that got me sick. You know, so he gave some context to where his mind was and is, without having to like, you know, shoot, 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 and do a pipe bomb. He was able to move on and just get with the AEW program. And then tonight, as you said. Some you know improvised. He got Darby over. Uh, I love the fact that he he's like, look, he's kind of like laying rest to some things we all might be wondering. Is he going to call himself the voice of the voiceless? No, he acknowledges. I'm going to retire that because the backstage actually listens here. So he manages to like address a moniker and address you know a, 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 a booking theme by he manages to address it. Say what is why he's not going to use it, and then puts over the company and also it's in some way. Again, takes a shot at WWE by saying they listen here. Uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. Uh, if I'm still the best in the world, if I'm going to use that moniker, well, then I need to be able to beat Darby Allen for this to, you know, so I just, 
it's two for two. Um, this this has really been a two for two situation, and I expect tonight uh, tonight's numbers to be very strong for uh, you know for dynamite. Yeah, they put him right at the top of the hour. You know, I do expect it to be monster numbers. And I really did like the line that you referenced in terms of CM Punk saying, if I was a kid, Darby Allen would be my favorite wrestler. A hundred percent, I believe that. That sounds like something that would be a sweet-talking thing to say to put a guy over. But I have thousand percent. I think Darby Allen is CM Punk's favorite wrestler now. So that's a great line to put in there. And, and one of the reasons that I, I wanted CM Punk to immediately feud with Darby Allen if he were to come to AEW, which he is now. Let me ask you this. So all out. Um, obviously, Punk and Darby's gonna be the last match. Kind of what I just said with the Rampage. There's no way you can. I mean, I think that's gonna be the last match. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see how you can have a CM Punk return to the ring for the first time in seven years and then expect people to follow that on that show. And then you look at what's the AEW World Title match again. No disrespect to Christian, but Christian and Omega, we just saw them for the Impact. You know, so like nothing else really, you know, is gonna you know trump. Uh, the 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 marquee here. It's a babyface versus babyface situation. Obviously, people are just gonna be happy, you know. But like, how do you see this playing out? I don't see CM Punk losing. I, I don't see him. I, you know, actually, I could let me let me say what I see here, Alfred. I could see CM Punk making a pitch to Tony Khan saying, "I want the kid to beat me. Mm-hmm. I want him to catch me." You know, I slip on a banana peel after a hard fault 20, 25 minute match. I show people I can still go. I got the cardio, and the kid just gets me in a good old fashioned maybe roll up or something. It, you know, it's not like, you know, I could see Punk making the pitch of let the kid beat me. That's what I'm here for. And I could see Tony Kong going, whoa, we can, we can, we can still make the kid look good, but you still should be winning because I, I, you know, I got, I got a lot invested in the CM Punk train. Like, what do you, how do you see this playing out? I, do see CM Punk winning in Chicago. I would not be surprised if Darby Allen beat him. And I definitely agree that CM Punk's the type of person you might have to talk him into beating Darby Allen. And I think CM Punk would make a strong case to lose to Darby Allen. And I think he eventually will down the line. Just not A, in his first match and in Chicago. I just think that that would defeat the purpose. Now you have to think of the bigger picture. You know, you're, it's almost being selfish for CM Punk to lose because he's putting his own self-interest in terms of wanting to get the other guys over ahead of this arena full of people who paid to see him in his comeback tour. And I think this should really be a feel-good moment if we're going to bring back CM Punk. I want him to continue feuding with Darby Allen. This is not enough time to tell what I think could be a very intriguing story between him and Darby Allen. And eventually, Darby Allen wins this feud. CM Punk can win this match, his first match back. And Tony Khan, not only is he a booker, he's probably a historian. Yes, he definitely is a historian of this business. There's a famous story of the Road Warriors losing in Chicago uh, back in the NWA territory days, and Chicago never, they (laughs) never drew for Chicago again. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen with AEW and CM Punk, but those people showing up and CM Punk losing his first big match, that's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth in Chicago about AEW. Yeah, I think you're right. And I I wanted to get your opinion. I want to pose a question out there. I want people who are listening and watching to think about it, but I agree. I think, I think what, I think everybody likes Darby. And so they don't want to, when I say everyone, I'm saying fans, fans like Darby, but they don't want to actually say this. But I think if they were to be absolutely honest with what's in their heart, it is they like Darby. They're happy that Darby's going to get this rub to be this first match back handpicked by Punk, but they don't like him enough to want to see him beat Punk on his first night back. They want to see Darby get close. They want to see, you know, again, a 20, 25, 30 minute, you know, display of wrestling. You know, they want to see some close calls, some near falls, but at the end of the day, they want to see Punk. They want Punk's hand raised, and then Punk to raise Darby's hand, do the handshake, 
babyface respect. Maybe some heels come out and try to whatever, and and, and they and and Punk, Sting, and Darby all, you know, uh, stand tall. That's what people want. Nobody's gonna say it, but if if I think, but I think so. If Darby was to pin Punk, people are gonna kind of go, eh, I didn't want that. I like Dar- I don't like Darby that much. <laughs> I think I think I think I think that's where it is. Definitely. So we'll uh. We'll see how this goes, but yeah, I mean, I can't see, uh, I, I can't see any other match going last. So I think that's that's certainly going to be one, one to watch of how uh, how everything gets positioned at All Out, which is um, setting up to be a pretty, pretty stacked card. Uh, we got two super chats here. We got uh, Sam Austin. Uh, will AEW have trouble converting ex WWE guys into nuclear heels? Feels like people are just uh, so happy for them finally escaping the WWE penitentiary. Uh, you know, I mean, I can see an argument to that in a way with uh, something that happened with Malachi Black that we'll get to. But, you know, Miro, Miro's a guy who I think is really connected into his, now that he's Miro, he's not, you know, playing video games with, with as the best man uh, with, with Kip. Um, I mean, obviously the booking Christian is a face, the booking Paul White is a face, but I, I could certainly see the AEW crowd booing a Paul White if he decides to have a heel turn sooner than later. Oh, yeah. I think, I think he... He can kind if of. He decides to have a heel turn. If, he, if, if the big show turns heel, <laughs> that timer's on. He's due for one. <laughs> what did he say? I've turned more times than a NASCAR <laughs> driver. There, there's a YouTube video of all of his heel turns. I think it's like it's like twenty one. <laughs> it's like one for every year that he's been in the business, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think Sam. I, th- I think again. I think it's a little bit of playing along. You know what I mean? I, I think it's a little, it's still a little bit of a plane along with people like, I think tonight, like again, not to jump ahead, but like they, they, they could see Malachi black being this vicious heel against this legend and his son, but they also still respect. I mean, I don't know. I think there's just a fine line. I think AEW fans, the hardcore fans, just, they kind of want, they just, it's what it is. It's, it's, you know, Dan Lambert could use it as some fodder. It's, they want to play. They want to be part of it. Uh, Sam Austin actually brings up a very good point. And the nuclear heat you're looking for in terms of ex-WWE guys would go to guys like Braun Strowman. If he was to show up in AEW, like these ex-WWE guys, I don't think fans look at an Adam Cole or even a Malachi Black or Miro. Some of these guys who are done wrong, yeah, definitely ex-WWE, but they look at them as, like Sam Austin said, guys who are victimized by the system, most of whom came from the indies and maybe that's their home. A guy like Braun Strowman, who is WWE branded through and through, if he showed up in AEW, that's one of the reasons I still want him to be an AEW is that I don't see that as a next as another XWB guy. I see that as a as like the first legitimate XWB guy to go to AEW, and then you're going to get that nuclear heat. And I think that type of heat is missing from AEW outside of like MJF, which that still is them playing around along. Can you? Uh, all right, actually, I'm going to hold on because I want to stay in order. Remind me to fantasy book with you when we get to the Dan Lambert promo. Uh, another another super chat. Kayla Mick, two dollars. Uh, do we see speaking of former WWE? Do we see Ruby in the in the Rumble match? I think she means the casino uh, uh, battle royal that they're going to do with the women at All Out. Yeah, I think Ruby uh, Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho. I think she's a lock uh, to be appearing at All Out in that capacity. That'd be great. She'll get a great pop. She's been doing some great stuff digitally on her social media, kind of teasing his retu- her return. And I think it's going to be great. And I think she's going to be something that AEW needs a lot right now is in terms of uh, big name uh, woman talent to kind of work with Britt Baker. Because Britt Baker's been carrying this division, but a lot for the entertainment purposes and not getting as many, I think, opportunities to wrestle and showcase her wrestling. And I think with uh, Ruby Soho, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, and another XWB guy, as I said, Miro. Miro cuts a promo backstage in a pre-tape, and uh, he basically sets his sights on Eddie Kingston. He's talking about, you know, Fuego de Sol, who got this easy way into AEW, and he's going to kind of let him slide. 
but he makes note Eddie Kingston. So obviously he's going to take issue with how Eddie Kingston has gotten himself to this AEW stage. So, uh, and that, that's, that's going to be Miro's next, uh, feud. And also he made a reference to his wife. He said, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm the, I'm the redeemer and, and God, I'm doing God's work and my wife is going to love me more if I do this. So, uh, interesting little, uh, name drop there without saying her name, uh, real or WWE labeled, but, uh, Perhaps that 90-day no-compete for Lana is uh, is on a TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, he makes it a point to get his wife referenced and put her over in every promo, and I, I very much expect her to be an AEW. I do, too. Uh, more fantasy booking here. Here's James Cotton, 499. Adam Cole and the Bullet Club attack Punk and Darby after the match. That'd be interesting. I mean, a weird way to send Chicago home, but... That'd be interesting. I do expect Adam Cole to show up sooner rather than later. I really, uh, they, they could take advantage of that Monday Night Wars feel, given the unique situation of Adam Cole's contract really just kind of being up before WWE knew it. And him just being on WWE TV a couple weeks ago would be a fun moment. Yeah, I mean, it seems like from the latest that we know, uh, his actual contract does expire on the 27th, which is this Friday. So, I mean, All Out is eight days after that. Um, I mean, I don't think we're we're not going to see Cole on TV between now and then, and, and unless he, the only way we see him on TV between now and then is unless he signs a new WWE deal and pops up on a SmackDown or Raw. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, but it'd still be pretty fresh off of him losing to Kyle O'Reilly. So, um, but I agree, you know, like how do you want to send the crowd home? I'm like, but but at the same point, do you want just Punk and Darby standing tall and okay, we're done? Is that is that a, is that a fulfilling? It was the match of seeing Punk. After seven years, go you know twenty thirty minutes. Is that, is that a, a fulfilling enough ending, or do people need to go home with a little tune in Wednesday to see why these guys just showed up and caused havoc? I don't know. Yeah, that's very interesting because I I could see it just going off the air with a love fest for CM Punk, but you know that's not really doing much business for your show the following Wednesday. Uh, Sam Austin jumping back in says, "I'd love to see Kevin Owens in AEW one day." Um, uh, yeah, man, there's a lot of guys you can. I mean, again, yeah, I mean, AEW's got to watch. I mean, AEW again. Part of the part of the magic was like starting a company with guys and girls who just either WWE didn't want or they knew or or, or or were foreshadowing that their you know treatment in WWE wouldn't be what they felt. You know, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, um, you know, Cody Rhodes leaving after feeling like he just didn't get to fulfill. Um, and, and live up to the Rhodes name and, and, and WWE. You know, you have to watch to make sure that, that mission statement, that, that that we're all together in this field does not dissolve too much to where it is just a, oh, you're just going to take every every name from their TV that they that that, that, that was mistreated in booking. And, when you know, remember, think about that press conference in Jacksonville in January of twenty. 19, I guess it was, 19, you know, where they had, you know, the one where Jericho famously shows up and the one where, you know, they, they announced, you know, all the, all the people that signed contracts there, you know, the Britt Bakers, the Joey Janellas, where's the Joey Janella? You know, like you got to think like, I, you know, I just keep in mind, like it's great to fantasy book all these guys and girls who are mistreated in the, in the, on the WWE machine. But at some point you only have, if you're AEW, you only have three hours of TV each week right now. And I'm talking about, you know, real TV. I'm not talking about, youtube i'm talking about tv so you know it's gotta be 
in addition to that, you got to think of the talent as well. We're halfway into some of these guys' deals, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in AEW who are paying very close attention to just how much these WDB guys are using. Said, okay, well, then maybe I need to go to that company in order to get treated better. So they've got a lot of stuff. And then there's going to be that narrative developing if it hasn't already, which I think it has. It's more of an underbelly thing. But eventually it's going to be a very loud and clear narrative of people saying, okay, enough with the ex-WWE guys. Like, you guys have to build your own brand. Right. Uh, Sean Wiley, $5. Malachi Black should join Dan Lambert of Tough Martial Arts Thugs and add Buddy Murphy, too. What do you all think of that? No, I think I think I think Black is the perfect kind of guy to be a rarity in AEW, which is he's solo. Yes. Uh, he does not he does not need a, a crew with him right now. And I have I have other ideas about the Dan Lambert stuff, which again we'll get to in a second. I don't want anybody talking for Malachi Black. I think he's just one of the he's like this is as close as he's been to the Undertaker in terms of that's what they kind of were going for with him in WWE. And I just love this character. I love the music and the presentation. We're going to get into it more in the main event. But I think everything they're doing with Malachi Black is perfect, and he doesn't. You know, when he talks, he, he says what he says, and he's very threatening, and I don't think he needs anything else. Agreed. All right, six-man action here. We get Darby, John Moxley, and Eddie Kingston up against Nick Nemeth, uh, Cesar Bonani, and J.D. Drake. Uh, real quick here, it's obvious who's winning this. It's, it's obvious the established uh, AEW names are, are, are winning this, and, and, you know, you kind of figure Darby Allen's got a big match against Sam Punk here. He probably should be seen getting a pinfall, which is, in fact, what happens. But I do want to note, uh, obviously, uh, Nick Nemeth, you know, we know who he is, Hollywood Honk, Dolph's younger brother. Uh, J.D. Drake looking like a mix of Roadkill and Big Bubba Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> Cesar Banani, I know he was an NXT guy. I know he was a kind of a just – I know he was a victim of the pandemic budget cuts. But, man – Especially in the ring with the other guys that he's in the ring here with, he just looks like a monster, you know, just put together. He didn't look, I mean, you know, he didn't look, they didn't, you know, he didn't, he did not shine in the match really. Um, and I don't know how, you know, how, how many reps he's got had in the ring really, but um, I just made a note to myself, man, he, he just looked like money. I know he's not the youngest guy and whatever, but he's looked like money as I'm just looking at all these guys visually. But all at the end of the day, it was a sloppy match. It was kind of all over those, I don't know who. It was just sloppy, <laughs> just kind of. I didn't like this match at all. Very sloppy. There's a lot of. I mean, Kingston's randomly next to the heels, and I don't know. It was sloppy. But at the end of the day, Darby ends up getting the pin, which he does with a coffin drop. So uh, that's that's what you need. But then he gets. But then Darby gets attacked after the match, real quick, by Daniel Garcia, who just gets enough licks on him just to knock him down. So like Darby's working towards his match with Punk, but Daniel Garcia's still there. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, at the end of the day, Darby just needs to be standing tall. That's that's the point here. But it was sloppy getting there. And good for Daniel Garcia. I was thinking this is just going to be him losing to Moxley, and we don't see him for a while. But I mean, we raved about him a couple of weeks ago when he actually got to show his stuff against Darby Allen, and here he is still, like, pretty much legitimately in a feud with John Moxley in uh, Darby Allen, two of AEW's biggest stars. So this guy's overachieving, and I love it because he's very talented. For sure, for sure. All right, we got Kenny Omega, uh, Don Callis, and crew in the ring. Callis quickly interrupted by Christian Cage. Uh, Cage noting and showing the video about how Callis hired him for the first time, for his first match in 1996 in, Winni- in Winnipeg, and Kenny Omega was 10 years old, and he fired Christian. Christian says, Callis, again, he's just a carny piece of shit. Callis then proceeds to say, oh, look, I, I'm, I, I was smart. And he starts to compare himself to other legendary promoters, starts naming Eddie Graham, Starts naming uh, Vern Gagne, yeah. and I think for the first oh, time wow. ever in AEW, 
Bill Watts, and he names drops Vince McMahon, who gets a huge boo. Is this the first time that Vince McMahon has been said? I mean, you know, Moxley could have, Punk could have, Miro could have. Is this the first time that Vince's name has actually been spoken on AEW TV? I think it is. I think I would have remembered if there was anybody who made any type of reference. I, I And it definitely stood out and it pierced through the arena. And I think this definitely was the first misreference. And I love that it was Don Callis. And I thought Don Callis was amazing in this segment. Yeah. Uh, so this this got a lot of heat here. Uh, ultimately, uh, Callis says, Christian, what's going to happen is you're going to stand next to Kenny Omega and it's going to be the story of your entire career, your second best. That sets Christian off. Uh, brawl ensues. Of course, Christian's outnumbered, but Frankie Kazarian coming out with a lead pipe. He manages to clear the way. Uh, so a nice little, I, I thought this was good. I think, I think with the fact that this this world title match, you know, we just already saw them for the Impact World title, and you know, we're going to see it again for the AEW World title. And as we've discussed, it's not the last match. It's not the top Billy marquee at all out. Uh, I think they've, they've, they've managed to blend some real life into, into a nice little bit of heat here for this match. Yeah, that was really good. There was a second edge reference by Kenny Omega when he says, "You think you know me, bro? Yes. You think you know me?" <laughs> yes, Kenny Omega, the king, the king of the Easter eggs. Yeah. Okay. Now, now that you bring this, the one week I decided to pay attention to his T-shirt. I don't believe that was a. It was like a panther. Was it? It was. I mean, I don't know if it was a reference to anything. I don't think it was, but I thought it might have been his shirt. It was, but it had Japanese writing, and I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know have, what yeah. it was. I'm not sure, I, but I'm sure if, if somebody can probably say, "Yeah, it's this," and you didn't. You missed it over your head. Yeah. Um, we also get a backstage. So Moxley's in the ring earlier. We get a, in the six-man tag that we talked about. We also get a backstage with Moxley where he announces that he gets a FedEx from Japan and that he's got an, a, an opponent for um, for All Out. And uh, he talks about you know a legend in Japan, All Japan, New Japan, uh, Satoshi Kojima, and uh, you know, a veteran who's, who's, who's pushing, knocking on the door 51, um, you know, Moxley talking about how, you know, it's an honor, but at the same time, dude, when the bell rings, I got no respect for anybody. So this is you going out in a blaze of glory is what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I know the name uh, and I know the name, but I had to do some more grueling just to refresh my memory of, of the name. And I got to say, Alfred, I mean, I kind of felt it, but I also am very much to admit, I do not follow Japan nearly as closely as especially other AEW fan bases, fan base type might, um, but I'm looking on my Twitter timeline and I'm looking at other people who I trust as like wrestling, you know, good, credible wrestling opinions, but also guys and you know, girls who, you know, can gauge properly. Is this appropriate or not? And I got a lot of, okay, it's kind of cool, but maybe do it for a dynamite or rampage. Like this is all out and you have access to the current roster or potential free agents out there. And this is the best you got for Mox. I, I sense disappointment from at least my timeline. Maybe I'm following the wrong people. Yeah, maybe Kojima is prime. Maybe Kojima a while ago, but no, definitely in terms of all the New Japan talent they could have faced. And I watched the New Japan show, New Japan Strong Show that they had uh, here in LA a couple of weeks ago, and there are guys on that show that I thought could make good. You know, you had Tanahashi there, and they seemed like they were going to go toward that. That would have been a fun match, but I, I do think it was definitely a letdown, especially because they did tease on television that Moxley and Tanahashi could go one on one, and Tanahashi very much teased that he was going to be on AEW television. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely a letdown because, and I think those people who are let down were expecting something of that caliber. Uh, Bernie from DC is a, a good good friend of our show here. Um, 
Sam Olson, super chat from earlier. By the way, this is currency in Korean. Uh, the lettering in Omega shirts tonight was also a Korean language translates. Okay. So oh, okay. Well, kind of getting into the. I'll be another super chat here. Hang on. Uh, Kayla Mick, uh, big boss man 2.0. Yeah, back to JD Drake and the, the big yeah. Bubba Rogers. It's funny because he used to wear a singlet. He looked like an old Kevin Steen. Now he looks like a young big Bubba Rogers. Yeah. And I like this look a lot better for him. I do too. I agree. All right. We got the gun club. Uh, a six-man tag up against the factory. Of course, the whole deal here is uh, QT Marshall in the factory in the ring. Paul White's on commentary. Uh, QT ultimately, though, gets distracted, jawjacking from the ring to the stage, pointing fingers at Paul White. This is going to cause QT uh, to get rolled up by uh, Colt, Colton Gunn. Uh, so the gun club getting no victory here over top of the factory. Again, building to another another aspect of all out to look forward to. Paul White, for the first time in 20-plus years, not in a WWE ring. Uh, up against uh, QT Marshall. So, um, very yeah. surprised to see QT take the pinfall in this match. Uh, I'm not though. I could, look. I mean, th- this is not the same as okay. Darby's got to stand tall here. Darby's sure. the guy going to 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 be the best in the world obstacle for CM Punk after seven year absence. I think everybody kind of goes into this knowing like this is like a, meant to be like a Paul White squash match. Yeah, that's why I think that's why I think he's I mean it would give, 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 give young Colton Gunn a nice when else is Colton Gunn gonna get a pinfall in these days? Does it have to be over QT Marshall? Could it be over the other guys? Eric Solo? No, 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 because out of the three in QT Marshall, if he was in this room, he would agree with me. So I would say it to his face. QT Marshall knows between him, uh Aaron Solo and Nick Camarada that that QT Marshall is going the, the other two are going to go further in AEW, you know, all booking willing. So QT Marshall knows he's the one that should be getting pinned. Nick Camarado has the look to be a big player. Aaron Solo has the, uh, the the ability to be a big player. QT Marshall knows this is probably the height of his, you know, QT Marshall basically is running the shows. Next, he's like a, a, a number two to Tony Khan in a lot of respects. So he's important to the company as the office. He's not going to be world champion. Any Aaron Solo sure, might be one day. Nick Camarado might be one day. Maybe Colton yeah, Gunn now. I don't, want, I, don't want any, I don't even want Nick Camarado taking this pinfall. If this team had to lose, which I thought the factory was going to win, and God bless the Gun Club, I think they looked uh, quite good in there. And I love Billy Gunn; it's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, but if we're going to all out, where this guy has no chance of beating Paul White. You know, throw him a little bit of a bone so that on his way there, Paul White in his big return match, it's not a complete joke that he beat QT Marshall, <laughs> who I thought was very good in terms of overachieving in his promos. Got it. And Billy Gunn, I mean, I've done, I'm, I'm sure you've been around Billy. I've done, I've done so many events. I've, I've known Billy for uh, you know, 12 years now. I've been around him so many times, and obviously he's so, he, everybody knows he was the thoroughbred. He's just, he's so big. He's so athletic. Even him standing across from Nick Camarado, he makes Nick look he did. I'm like, good God. Like, just. He's just. He's, he's, like, the guy's 50 plus years old. He just looks like he could. You could put the world title on him if you had to. You could. It still looks like Attitude Era Billy Gunn. He looks aesthetically the exact same. The guy does not age. Oh, he does not age. All right. I got to get to this. Dan Lambert in this yes. pre tape promo. Dan Lambert. Standing in between Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, continues his shtick, saying, "You know, it's, it's, it's this generation. This is this this AEW nonsense is what you guys have asked for. 
You'd rather watch skinny 12-year-old looking boys get down on one knee and propose to a girl. You'd rather see tight jeans skateboarding freaks. You'd rather see somebody who I look like I'd stuff into a locker trying to play tough guy wrestler. You'd rather be fans crying in your safe space at a wrestling show. He proceeds to unload on every stereotype and, and critique of the AEW roster, fan base, and general modus operandi and says, how about a real man? How about toughen up this generation? An MMA fighter turned pro wrestler in Scorpio Sky or a mixed martial arts and, and pro wrestling you know, prototype and Ethan Page knocked it. I mean, I know it's pre-taped, so he could have it could have took him a hundred takes, but I don't think it did. Knocked it out of the park. I got more on this, but Alfred, give me your give me your takeaway of 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 Dan Lambert just saying, "Hey, f you, you AEW fan base." This phenomenal. I love Dan Lambert, and I I'm just gonna believe that he just did that in one take. He just he just showed up to the hotel ballroom and he cut that promo. The, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page have been calling themselves the Men of the Year, and I've had no idea why. I've never really got a proper explanation. And this promo was so incredible in terms of framing them as real men, you know, kind of this older, kind of more conservative type of base that they're appealing to. And I'm saying that we're going to get rid of this woke stuff. And I just love how just fully thought out these were. And they got to be careful with this. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of those Jim Cornette Attitude Era promos where he's just going to town on WWE and now they have Shawn Michaels as strippers, your world champion. And he's saying all these things that are things that people actually do think and <laughs> say when they're making legitimate cases against the product but he's doing it in a charismatic way and he's doing it in a way that is just airtight in terms of how he's presenting himself and, and how he's getting his point across i thought this was just fantastic i, I love dan lambert and i want him to be with the men of there more and more because he's giving them more of a purpose and these guys are very talented and they can cut promos but i think now it's starting to come together as to why they call themselves the men of the year and what they represent to AEW. um this is yeah. Th you said it. This is like if you. This is like if you you know you're getting Dan Lambert who's got MMA uh you know business uh you know and 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 you know as part of Bobby Lash's career early on like this is as good as if you wanted to hire Jim Cornette or hire Vince Russo. Yeah. Dan Lambert is doing it, and my fantasy booking is this, Alfred. We talked earlier about ex WWE guys and who could get like legitimate heat and could be the um what's the word uh, antithesis of the aew hardcore fan base yeah. scorpio sky is great ethan page is great but they're the secondary players imagine if dan lambert decided to make his presence felt at all you know in a live situation on a dynamite or an all-out or whatever with a braun Strowman. i love it this is tough this is a real man this guy is from the company who understands what it is you're trying to do these days. Not skinny little, you know, indie darlings and what have you. This is a man, you know, and whatever they decide to call him. But I just, all I could think is Braun Strowman with a Dan Lambert coming. If Braun Strowman's going to come in, if he's going to get shit on by the AEW fan base, ride it all the way to the end zone, baby. Put him with Dan Lambert and let him just shit on the AEW culture. This, this would be giving Picasso a paintbrush and like a whole canvas to just Dan Lambert with Braun Strowman would be a match made in heaven for all the points you made. And even the Braun Strowman didn't go through the Indies. He can even hit on that. They didn't have to go to these little bingo halls and high school gyms. This guy makes money to wrestle. And I just, I would love it. I mean, 
Dan Lambert with Braun Strowman would be the perfect match. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right, main event time. Well, main event. I mean, I, I say that loosely. It happens to be the last last thing. I mean, with minimal TV time remaining here, um, Malachi Black up against Brock Anderson's a real life son of Arn Anderson. And uh, this is, you know, Malachi Black just, and he lays it in. He just, he does. He lays his stuff in anyways. Uh, legitimately busts open Brock Anderson. This doesn't last long. Um, hard hitting, ends up hitting the spinning kick for a win. One, two, three, uh, post-match. Looks like he's going to use a chair. Arn Anderson gets in there. He tosses the chair out. Arn kind of squaring up to Malachi Black. Black low blows Arn, then hits the spinning kick on him. Uh, so this, I kept waiting for like, what's the, what's the hook? No hook. It was just, let's just showcase the Malachi black entrance. This is the first time he's got to do the in gear entrance in the, uh, preferred two tunnel stage dynamite situation. Cause if you remember Alfred, the, 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 the debut against Cody in the man for, uh, in ring was when they were at Daly's place and they, one tunnel corner. So it wasn't, you know, the, now they're back in the arenas are doing the setup. So we got to see the full on how they want to light it, how they want to do everything. Um, and he just beats the shit out of everybody. <laughs> there was nobody to come and, you know, I mean, at the very, very tail end, almost, almost off the air, Lee Johnson comes out to check on Arn Anderson and Malachi black, you know, quietly retreats, but this is just Malachi black, just looking like a stud moving to two and O uh, again, a man of solo, a man to be reckoned with. So, uh, is it was this underwhelming or was this okay to end the show for you? I, I thought this was fine to end the show. I love his theme music, by the way. It was Ogan Truce. I, I even looked it up. Uh, just this perfect, these guys screaming. I think it's Amsterdam music or whatnot. And it's just this very blood curdling screams throughout the music. I just love it. Uh, I will nitpick a little bit here and say that as much as I did like what was happening, well, you know, like you said, those five minutes remaining in the show, which I thought was too much time for what I thought I was going to see. I thought he's going to kick the guy in the head, kick him in the head again and win the match. But he did sell for Brock Anderson a little bit uh, early on in the match. And, and I was very shocked to see him sell anything. Uh, but this was fine. He did beat the hell out of him. He legitimately punched him in the face, which I think they were really going for that. I don't think it was a mistake. I think he was just trying to open him up and uh, yeah. kind of show him off to be a, a badass because he does have a kickboxing background. So he knows how to punch him while still hitting him in, in the face and pulling his punch in a pro wrestling capacity. But, you know, I thought this was fine to end the show. Uh, I, I, the whole thing in terms of them kind of laying out for too long, didn't seem uh, like that's how they really wanted to go off the air. They didn't want to spend that much time, but um, yeah, I thought it was fine. And I agree. I do think that, I think, I think the goal was we're not going to do a blade job. I'm going to lay a few into you real quick. I'm not going to knock you silly, but I'm going to try to lay it in and we're going to, we're going to get it. Um, so yeah, this is uh, Malachi black. Certainly uh, he's a guy that I, he makes, I, I have a point to make sure I'm watching when he comes out and I, and the music I agree is good. I know it's CFO and CFOs on the blacklist of WWE, but I still miss that, that original entrance music he had as Alistair black. I thought that was the best. That really just, just timed so perfectly to the entrance, but yeah, that was very good. music. <sighs> what can you do? Um, cheap plug deadpool party brock got busted open i'm on busted open every friday morning dave lagreca mark henry channel 156 on sirius xm there we go that was dynamite tonight uh so next uh you know, we got rampage this friday next wednesday they're they're in chicago for dynamite it's the go home dynamite to all out so it, the next wednesday is gonna be a lot for alpha and i to talk about uh very excited stuff 
Uh, Alfred, anything else that we didn't get to talk about? Any, any final thoughts on AEW tonight as they are just, you know, choo-chooing on the track of momentum right now? a good show i thought the highlights were very good but i did feel like there was uh, quite a bit of filler on this show and they're still kind of trying to jockey for a position as they go to all out and i expect the shows to be a little more loaded but i really did like uh there are a lot uh, of things that i liked on this show but it did seem at points like okay they're just kind of trying to fill time rather than usually they'll have matches all announced uh, ahead of time and there'll be some big marquee matches i didn't feel as much of that tonight yeah, especially with the two different six-man tag matches they had, yeah. it definitely felt like was it two or three, at least two. Oh, it might have been three. Uh, it doesn't matter. We've already gone through it. I get what you mean. Nonetheless, uh, what do you got going on on Forbes.com? Uh, go on Forbes. I got some stuff on the WWE SummerSlam numbers. Uh, got some great uh, interviews with WWE superstars I conducted uh, this past weekend and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pro Wrestling Vids. Yeah, so this was the what the highest grossing SummerSlam ever? Is that what they're saying? Yes, yes, that is what they're saying. And the most watched as well between a Peacock and mm-hmm. WWE Network. Uh, so, you know, a lot of they did have the, the attendance number, which is, you know, always dubious or whatnot. But uh, this was a very good uh, SummerSlam, very successful. Uh, you know, John Cena helped in terms of selling those tickets, but they sold a lot of tickets. And I was in that building and it was pretty much full in terms of Allegiant Stadium, a very impressive looking building. And they, they made this was on the scale of a WrestleMania pretty much. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. He is at this is nasty on Twitter. Of course, follow uh, follow him there and you can read his work on Forbes.com. And of course, you see him here on the wrestling podcast all throughout the week. Uh, I'm at Justin LaVar. You can see me here on Wednesday nights on Monday nights. Like I said, Friday mornings on Busted Open. I uh, got another another endeavor that just uh, came across my desk this week. That I think I'm going to take uh, with some pretty big podcasting people and some Hall of Famers. So I'm excited wow. about that. I'll be able to hopefully talk about that pretty soon so follow us all share comment do all the likes do all the things it's a hot time to be a wrestling fan we hope you're enjoying make sure you tell a friend twitch youtube uh subscribe to the apple feed all those good things for alfred i'm justin have a good wednesday night we'll talk to you next week when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.